Welcome to What They Never Told Us, the podcast where we explore our own personal journeys in the hopes to give you some insight into your own narrative. I'm your host, Sasha, licensed mental health counselor. And I'm your host, Crystal, licensed social worker. Yes, we are mental health professionals. However, we are not experts on anyone else but ourselves. You are the only expert on you. The information shared or discussed on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Uh, Today, we are going to be talking about a topic that I'm going to be quite honest with y'all. I feel like I'm even still a beginner with this shit. Um, (laughs) I've definitely thought about it. Um, And Sasha has helped me a lot uh, with it. But um, it's still even an intro conversation for me. So we're going to learn from each other. Well, we're going to learn from Sasha today. Uh (laughs) (laughs) uh, Talk about no pressure. (laughs) But you know how we do before we get started. Let's do our check-ins. Sasha, how are you doing? Hi. I'm feeling a little... Uh, I'm angry. I'm fucking angry is what I am. And, like, it's so funny how I try and hide that shit. Uh, but I that, that also has to do with what we're going to talk about today with regards to taking up space and learning how to show your negative feelings. But yesterday something happened to me where someone was just like in my fucking face racist i and i you know i'm white passing um i've never necessarily had an issue with that i've had like microaggressions i've i see it now i can tell when people are doing it to me i can tell when you know someone finds out i'm latina and then how their face changes when they find out i'm greek or oh my god you have your masters like that's always kind of been Mm. my experience but um this year for the first time i've been noticing that and it has to do with our political state, I think, that mm. I've been experiencing it a little more in my face. So Crystal and I went away to like the boondocks in PA and yo, we were not wanted. So that was my, fr- it was that a was very recent experience. Definitely a sundown town, like legit. Yo. Like I didn't Google it, but I don't feel like I needed to because I felt that shit in my bones. The way they looked at us when we went into our restaurant, it was so strange. I mean, like it was very, I felt like on on the defense, right? On constantly the whole time we were there. We weren't even there for very long. We were there for three days, two nights. Mm-hmm. But it was such a strange feeling that everywhere you go, you feel like you don't belong. Like people are staring at you, looking at you like, what are you doing here? Like your safety is at risk. Like our bodies, like we were so on edge. It was hard to relax mm-hmm. outside of the verbo we were staying at where it was like the only place where it was just us, right? So then mm-hmm. it was it was fine for us to relax. I like I've never denied black people's experiences in America, like and and what they feel when they say that they feel these things. I'm like, "Yes, I believe you." But it is a very different experience when you feel it for yourself, especially when you know, like we both have light skin privilege. So it's not something that we experience very often. Um, so it was very challenging to be on that side. And I can't even imagine that that is people's lived experience. This is kind of like a check-in turn, a little informative. Like, 
for anyone to fucking say that heart disease and stress and these these things don't affect a person is fucking stupid and a fucking liar because and that's how you can tell that they have privilege and they 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 don't even know what the another person's experience is like to 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 feel fear of just being yourself right like so and i never denied anybody's experience because i used to see it from my own eyes right like i just never had it done to me but yesterday i got the cops called on me like legit (laughs) yo like (laughs) i got the cops called on me because i was being quote-unquote aggressive so i was at a threading salon and i went to go do you know my upper lip because we're classy out here and (laughs) and um i'm sitting next to this lady who's literally speaking so mean to the the chick who's gonna give her her service and apparently she bought a group on because yo she was fucking loud to do her lashes and she was quote-unquote stealing from her and she was telling her how like if she does a bad job then she's not gonna pay for the service because people have to look at her face and this was a white lady and you know that already kind of struck something in me but i stood quiet i was like you know what she's just being stupid but then she kind of start, started talking really like fucked up to her like you know you're a thief you're not following the law do you want to be a law-abiding citizen or not and yo the way she said it it just sparked like i don't know it triggered me and i i didn't get up i didn't stand up and like what the fuck bitch no i was like (laughs) i said i kind of got up on my chair literally half lip done because the other side wasn't done And I and I and I politely told her. I said, "Excuse me, Miss. There's absolutely no reason for you to speak like that to her. I don't like. I basically told her how I didn't appreciate how she was talking to her and how she should be speaking to a manager because she knew that she shouldn't. Like that. That lady didn't know what she had to do. Like what five dollars was she talking? Was fucking five dollars, bitch. Like probably live in the city. Anyway, I got the cops called on me because I was harassing her, and um, she didn't know what I was going to do next, and she feared for her life." I just, y'all, like, I already heard this story, so I knew what Sasha was going to say. And I still cannot wrap my brain around of that being her response. And and I know it happens. Again, like, we've seen it. We've seen it on social media. Like, these women are constantly referred to as Karens or mo- most recently Karens um, or, like, Barbecue Becky. And, you know, like, all of these women who just decide to call the police um, on people for living their lives. And honestly, it's... It's the entitlement for me personally, like the fact that you believe that you're allowed to berate, disrespect, and say whatever the fuck comes out of your mouth to someone. But the second that you get checked on it or someone else has something to say to you, it's an issue. And honestly, I think that race plays a huge issue in this conversation. The woman who was uh, threading Sasha's upper lip so there's an Indian woman and Sasha is Latina. And even though Sasha is white passing, you can tell she's Latina. Like she doesn't like she has white skin, but she doesn't have she ha- she's very noticeably Latina. Um, and yeah, I think that race really played a role in this because I don't think that she would have felt the need to speak to another white woman in that way. And mm-hmm. I think that the the reason why she felt threatened is because in her world 
women of color or people of color are not allowed to speak to her, to take up space, to engage in with her in a way that's disrespectful because there's a sense of superiority that she has about how she carries herself in the world. So when she was confronted with it, immediately her first thought is, I feel threatened because her privilege was being threatened and because you were demanding to take up the space that you're owed, which in her mind, you're not owed that space. And you're right. And she basically told me to get the fuck out of the conversation. Like, she didn't say get the fuck out of the conversation, but she told me that I, I had no business involving myself in that conversation. And on top of everything, like, yes, I am white passing. And I did think about, like, well, how different would it have looked if I was a white woman or if I was a black woman? Mm-hmm. All, all same, like, all of us, the same level of education, but how different the responses would have been. I think that situation just kind of left me thinking... And it's interesting because it does have to do with taking up space and reasons why we don't take up space, right? So, like, I'm just, like, in a, I'm not scared. Like, it, I think better better that it happened to me than somebody else, right? Where it's easy to, to profile somebody and then the cops have to come, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because that's what we do in this world. But I'm not, and I don't want, and, like, it's, and it's funny because you would think that I'd want to shut up now. And it's like, no, nah, I want to keep, I want to keep opening up my mouth. Yeah. No. And I mean, as you should, because I think that there's other people who would have been in the same situation and have to shut up or are forced to shut up one way or another. So um, for those of us who can use our voice, it is important, um, especially with issues like these, to speak up and look out for one another, especially, you know, as a woman of color, looking out for another woman of color in this in this situation. So I'm sorry that happened to you because I I think, again, like I said to you earlier, like shocked because I just this speaks to my privilege. Um, I don't think that things like that normally happen to folks that look like Sasha and I, to be perfectly honest. We we face a lot of like racism and discrimination, but it's in very different ways. So I think like there is a part of me that that's shocked, but I'm not surprised. Like this behavior seems pretty on brand for white women. And I think we've seen it time and time again. Um, And I hope to the white women out there who don't engage in this behavior that you are able to call out your fellow white women um, when they do or engage in behavior like this, because it's not acceptable and it's not okay. But as far as my check-in goes, it's funny that you said that this interaction made you want to speak up more. And I think that in a certain area of my life, I have taken up space um, and that's work. Granted, I feel like I was forced into a quarter and I had to kind of take up space. But now that I have, I decided that I'm not going to stay silent. And I actually noticed that this is a pattern with for me when I feel like I don't have anything to lose anymore. I'm very vocal about how I feel. Even as we're entering this conversation and I'm about to record this episode, I feel like I'm very reflective of like, what are the times that I feel safe enough to take up space? And also like, it feels good to take up space. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll just jump right into the conversation because I feel like it already started. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. And I feel like th- this idea of taking up space has a lot to do with the things that we speak about, like when it comes to um, the mental health part of it, like let's say you're depressed or you have anxiety or like the last episode we did was on trauma, right? Like it, you best believe that if you've had trauma in your life, you have difficulty taking up space because trauma teaches you basically to hide away, even from your own sense of self, which is why we dissociate, right? 
it's funny because I, I, I've always known trauma and I've always known these things, but I think it was this summer specifically where I started thinking about how all these, you know, mental health diagnoses, they alter our perspective and inevitably alter in how we interact with the world, right? No surprise. We always talk about that. But I was trying to explain it to groups of people that I work with. And I think that when they hear these things, it's it's just so far removed from their sense of self because it's like, oh, that's mental health. Leave that up to the therapist to kind of deal with. But when I started talking about it within the realm of taking up space, um, and I mentioned this idea, and I think it was, I think it was in episode 37, when in what we wish we were told, where I wish I was told to take up space, like mentally, emotionally, and physically. And I, I gave a breakdown of what that actually looks like and why I didn't take up space. But when I started talking about it with these this group specifically, they really received it. I think that they were able to make a connection with the idea of, oh shit, I do that. I It's not necessarily, I have trauma, I have depressive symptoms, because I think that's a little more difficult to understand, but it's like, I'm actually doing what you're saying, right? Like little things and how people will remove your sense of self and little things where you can practice having a sense of autonomy versus when people take it away from you or you're afraid, right? Like that's something that they can understand conceptually um, and I, like in layman's terms, basically. And, and I think that a lot of these disorders or whatever mental health labels have been placed on you, right? It's so much easier to understand when we're talking about it with regard to, are you taking up space or are you not? I do know that a lot of why people don't take up space is because of what we're indirectly taught. Yes, but before you even get into why it's important to take up space, I do want to just take it a step back for anyone who has been following along with this conversation and is like, what what is it exactly that it means to take up space? So um, I will say for me, and disclaimer, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, um, I'm still kind of like working through and learning this for myself. Taking up space can mean very different things, a lot of different things, um, depending on the space that you're trying to take up. But essentially, it means just mattering enough to show up as you, asking for mm. what you need, reminding yourself and others that you are important setting boundaries, requiring respect for who you are as a human, doing all of these things despite whether or not someone is going to respect it or allow you to take up space. It's one of those things where you have the right to speak your opinion, to take up physical space in the world, set boundaries to create an environment for yourself that feels healthy and whole and good no matter what the actual activity whether it means speaking up whether it means physical space or emotional space like Sasha had mentioned earlier so I love that you say that because the way I think of um taking up space so I spoke about the physical emotional mental it's when you have the ability to have autonomy over those three components of yourself and it sounds so simple right um, but it's not. It sounds simple, yes. But it's not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and I truly believe that taking up space and having autonomy over your own self completely is is a born right. This is something that it gets taken away from us a lot. So this which is why we need to speak about it. But it's also important to figure out why you should be taking up space. Um, and Crystal touched on it a little bit, but you're more likely to do what makes you happy. Um, mm -hmm. And when you do things that make you happy, guess what? You're more satisfied with your life. You're more likely to believe you'll be successful, therefore be successful. 
I really do believe that when you have the mindset of, yes, I can, you put yourself out there in a different way. Um, and you'll also be less stressed. Your your physical and mental, emotional will definitely like decrease its stress um, because of the fact that you feel entitled. The other day I was having uh, this con- a conversation with one of the people that I work with and it, she's a girl and she stated how she felt that it was arrogant to do something. Um, I think it had to do with a personality test and she she had a leadership quality to her and she said, oh, that sounds a little arrogant. And I started laughing and I was like, I challenge you to think about the difference between arrogance and confidence because there mm-hmm. are things that people will see as confidence but then because you are so used to not taking up space, you feel like you're being arrogant or you feel like you're doing something wrong. Hmm. I agree. There's always a fine line between anything, right? Like there's a fine line between being aggressive and assertive, right? Like being arrogant and being confident, right? And I think that a lot of times for those of us who do not take up space, that line is always very distorted and blurred. And we always mm-hmm. err on the side of like whatever's bad, right? Like you're being aggressive, you're being arrogant, whatever whatever the the bad, the quote unquote bad side of the spectrum is, because you are taught that even when you are confident, when you are assertive, and it comes off in a way that technically is a positive, healthy way of showing up, you're shut down. Mm -hmm. So you always think like, okay, so if anything beyond confidence and assertiveness, if I'm getting shut down, then if I continue to show up in these ways, I'm going to continue to be bad or something is wrong or that's not okay. It really, when you don't take up space, a lot of times basic rights and the ways that you show up, it it really gets distorted and you, you start to confuse confidence for arrogance. Absolutely. And I think this happens all the fucking time. Um, And going back to my check in, especially with people of color, Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, I was there and I knew I didn't do anything wrong. But the minute the cops are called on me, I literally started thinking, oh, fuck, what did I do wrong? And in that Mm. moment, I had to assess and kind of hold myself to this idea that, no, Sasha, you didn't do anything wrong. This person's fucking insane. Mm-hmm. And it, but it, that shit can happen so quickly. I agree. It's very easy to to turn um, things on yourself, and I think like part of taking up space is you have to be someone who understands the value in like standing up for yourself and you it's and the reason why we're even doing this episode is so that you can understand those nuances so that you stop yourself in your tracks because had Sasha not been doing the work you know like all of these years of like understanding who she is how she can show up in this world and what her right to take up space is she would have very quickly turned that inward and there could have been graver consequences to you know, like her auto, her automatic thinking of like, I did something wrong. And mm-hmm. what would have happened is this white woman would have learned like she was right. And she would have been affirmed in the ways that she shows up in the world, which means women of color can't show up in these ways. They can't speak to me in these ways. And she would have continued on with, I mean, she's going to continue with her behavior regardless, but I'm glad that someone pushed back. 
Listen, all we can hope for is that she fucking learned to stop calling the fucking police for no fucking reason because I don't think the police came because I, I literally, I was like, listen, I gotta, I, I was doing this on my break during work. I was like, I gotta go back to work. Here's my number. Let me know if the cops need me. You know, like, like I really, I, I just wanted to check her a little bit and be like, bitch, I'm not fucking scared of you in your privileged ass ways. <laughs> but I think it's these things that happen to us that we don't recognize that slowly chip away at our sense of autonomy, right? Like, so they are environmental factors. It's our parents. Um, do you have both present? Um, are they emotionally and mentally, physically present, therefore modeling this for you? And you know how, I mean, just go back to the father's episode. Most of us don't have dads. <laughs> like, Oh, the sadness. Uh, laugh at your pain, right? Um, <laughs> and, and, and then you think about like how that affects you, right? And how you think you should be taking up space. And then you go to school and like this, you can start going back to our episodes and see how it's building up to this. Because when you think about uh, the developmental episode we did, how you start to find your sense of self and your sense of autonomy in school by completing tasks and, you know, like how are teachers treating you? Um, I have this interesting story from a friend who told me the other day that he was always in honors and he always tested high on like those placement exams, like the state test placement exams. But behaviorally, he was acting up because his house wasn't the best. It wasn't fostering a safe environment and he was acting out in school. So he was always known as like this bad little kid. But it's interesting because he told me that at the end of the year when he was in elementary school, teachers would name the students and he got labeled with another student, Tweedledee and Tweedledum. And he was the dumb one. Is wild, a fucking teacher. Like, this is how you start to learn to just shut the fuck up, right? So what he inevitably learned from that was, okay, I'm going to be a badass. I'm going to be, if I'm going to take up space and, and get attention, it's going to be for the bad reasons because no one gives a fuck that I'm smart, right? He became, he continued to be a little badass throughout school and still continued to be an honor somehow. Uh, you know guy. what? That brain was working, okay? <laughs> that brain, <laughs> definitely a smart guy. Has two masters and one PhD. The idea that he like had nothing to say, nothing smart to say, verse because of his behaviors, kind of caused him when he got to college, he didn't speak up until his junior year because he didn't mm. feel like he had anything worth saying. So imagine. Yeah. No, I yeah, that's tough. And I would say you know, you brought up a lot of great points about the ways that we end up not taking space or like what are the things that happen to us that prevents us from taking up space. But I, I want to share because I have a list of things of all the ways that I don't take up space. And I think it might also be helpful for other people to hear what those things are so that like you can be mindful of all the different because there's many different ways to not take up mm. space and be small. Uh, but these are the ones that are specific to me. Ways that you can know is your automatic thought is about the other person or other people and not yourself. You're uncomfortable for the sake of other people's comfort. You feel like you require too much. Even when you require very little, it always feels like too much. Uh, you stay mm -hmm. quiet when you want to speak. You feel like you, des you don't deserve, therefore you do not ask. It feels like your boundaries and your personal space are always being crossed or disrespected. You feel like you're getting the short end of the stick and there's nothing you can do about it or that getting the short end of the stick is what you deserve. Um, mm -hmm. You heard things like children should be seen, not heard. 
or stop crying or I'll give you something to cry about, which I know Sasha mentioned uh, in a previous episode. And those comments, what they do is they invalidate your voice and your feelings. Um, People ask you what you would like and you don't know because you're not used to having choice. Yeah, (laughs) I know that one hit me. (laughs) Yo, Uh, whoa, you just did it to me. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I, I've been walking around the last month being like, I really don't know who I am. That's been my thing, like, the last month, because I... No, because no one's no one's nurtured who you've shown up to be as, so you're probably internalizing those ways as wrong, so therefore, if you can't yep. be that, then what? Yep. Yep. So. Damn. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know yeah. what? For she, once. She did it I got to Sasha. me. <laughs> Yo, that was so good. You know, and I gave you credit this weekend for also influencing me in other ways. So look at you out here. Look at you. I think as as I as I'm growing and you know doing the work, yes, it's coming out. Yes, Um, look at that. Very proud of you. So back to my list. You don't look for or create comfort in the in the physical spaces you take up. Uh, You have a hard time advocating for your needs. You define your worth based on what you give, not just off the sheer fact that you exist. Uh, You constantly feel invalidated, wrong, stupid, dramatic, over the top, over very regular, minimal things. Um, You feel like an inconvenience and you try to make things easier for those around you, even when they haven't asked. And the reason why I say this is because I had a very specific instance where... I went upstate with my best friend and his wife, and we were going to get dinner. We decided to go to this one spot in the city that we had already tried, like, over, like, early in the summer. Uh, And it was down on, like, East 50-something Street. I live all the way uptown, right? So I'm thinking, like, man, we just drove past my house to go to East Mm. 50-something Street. Then they're going to have to come back up to my house to then go all the way back to Queens, to their house. And I was thinking, like, maybe I should just offer to take the train so that they don't have to, like, drive me or anything like that. Mind you, I have a migraine. I'm in the back of the car with a badass migraine. And I'm over here thinking about, like, oh, let me make things convenient for them. Meanwhile, they were the ones who offered to, one, invite me out on their outing that they were going to go on, and two, to dinner. Um, with them so that we could continue to spend time together and the fact that my first thought was I'm an inconvenience no one said anything to me they never they never mentioned anything about it being inconvenient about not wanting to drive nothing my first thought was like you're an inconvenience take the train home Mm. and that's the those are the ways that it gets ingrained in you like deep yeah and eventually I told myself to shut the fuck up and that you deserve to be driven home. And I didn't say anything. But that was my automatic thought. I had to catch myself. Yo, those automatic thoughts are like the fucking worst, man. It's toxic. It's like silent. It's like the, what is it? Odorless gas, like in the house. And then, mm. you know, you're fucking dead. Oh, shit. Yeah. You know, it's oh, so, wow. like, you don't even see them coming. Um, It's, mm-hmm. it's wild because, yo, you really didn't. First of all, yo. You have me, I can't, like, I'm not even processing the thoughts that I had prior to because I was ready for this episode, but now I'm a little, like, thrown (laughs) off because I'm like, yeah, I do that shit, too. (laughs) Sorry. You say sorry too much. 
That's a yes. big ass way of knowing that you take you don't take up space. What are you sorry for? For making me think critically? I'm really trying not to say sorry again. I'm like, let me just be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, um, it's wild to me. Um, but I really like your list. It's super, super specific. And the only thing that I would add to that, that I feel like could help people notice as well that they're not taking up space is you allow your own negative feelings. See, now you're not interacting with anybody else anymore, right? To get the best of you. So for Mm -hmm. example, let's say you have a a desire to like go buy shoes or, and you have the money, right? Or do something nice for yourself or travel or whatever it is you feel like you want to do, but somehow you're afraid of doing that or like just be like, just even engaging in that. Mm -hmm. And then you end up not doing it. Right. So you start talking yourself out of these things, these things that you genuinely, you know, those things that pop up, like do that do show who you are naturally. Mm -hmm. And then you kind of like push it down and indirectly you're just kind of perpetuating it now on your, with your own self to feel like you're not worth doing something you want. Mm -hmm. And that's another big way that you can like recognize like, Oh shit, you're not taking up space even with your own self at this point. Yeah, and I feel like that that reminds me of, like, a sometimes even with, like, careers and things like that, it's like, I want to do these things, but people like me don't do these things. Or, like, yes. you really want to do something, but you're like, well, I don't have the access. And I think that also kind of comes into the cultural piece, too, because I think, like, as individuals, we definitely don't take up space. And I know that we spoke to the cultural piece, but it's just, like, Latinos don't do this. Black people don't do this. Like we don't exist in these spaces. Therefore, we can't Mm -hmm. pursue those things. We can't like those things. And a lot of times when we find that someone is successful in those spaces, like let's say a specific career or something like that, it's hard because you're one of like however many people you're, you're outnumbered or people think it's weird that you're doing it. There's just so many other pieces, um, that that go into it even like on a cultural level as well that we're taught not to take up space so we're not welcomed or it's like you know like a black uh surfer it's like oh black people don't surf you know what i'm saying like it's things like that that start to also invalidate you and make it harder for you to take up space absolutely and you know these things are the things that we learn indirectly right so we you know i spoke about learning them through your parents i spoke about learning that through school your friends and your family will do it to you as well they also play a very important role in helping you find yourself um, especially when we're at that teenage stage right this is inevitable because we hit this point literally in our teens where all we care about is is what other people think about us Mm -hmm. so if you're gonna go through that process and then you have a whole bunch of people kind of sending these messages to you that don't match up with who you are and who you truly want to be and like what you're trying to figure out, you're going to inevitably just start to feel like, okay, let me shut the fuck up. Okay. Let me hide away. Right. Let me not go out. And I know I did this as a student in college. Um, I just didn't want to be seen. I remember I'd hide away and people wouldn't even remember that I was in the room. Now all you have to do is hear me laugh and you fucking remember. Well, I think at this point, People know you're in the room because you're saying something, which is good. Yeah. <laughs> I don't mean yeah. it in a bad way. <laughs> See, look at look at me being apologetic again. <laughs> no, we have to stop that because we we both deserve to take up space. Um, so the parts that we were speaking about are the parts that are kind of like part of your your microcosm. 
But also, if you really think about if you think about it, society and what we see on TV and how you're treated by even complete strangers, it's going to indirectly affect how you feel about actually taking up space, right? Like, and what you can or cannot do. So if you think back to um, to Dr. Kenneth and Mammy Clark's uh, doll test, they used four dolls. Um, each doll was identical except for their color. So what they were trying to do was test uh, children's racial perceptions. And the, the children were between the ages of three to seven. And they were just asked to identify the race of the doll and which color doll they would prefer. And majority of the children preferred the white doll. And the reason is because they assigned positive characteristics to it, right? Including black children, right? So where were these children learning these things from, right? It's not because inherently white people are just better. They're learning it from somewhere, right? And essentially what he concluded was that prejudice, discrimination, like segregation, it created a feeling of being inferior for being African-American. Essentially what it does is it damages their their sense of self, their their sense of esteem, because all they know is that, oh, African-American doesn't have those positive associations. Mm -hmm. So here you are growing up with a reason to not want to be seen. Mm -hmm. I really do believe that there are people in this world who actually feel comfortable taking up space. And I have to say that those people are white people, right? Mm -hmm. They have privilege. They have entitlement. Yo, when I say that the way that lady pulled her phone out, she was like, oh, you're going against me? I'm going to pull my phone out. That shit looked fucking rehearsed. It looked like she had done that 10 times at least. (laughs) I never called the cops unless someone got into a car accident. No, I... I agree. And I, yeah, I think like it is so systemic the way that people get shut down. Even the times when people like, you know, in regards to like calling the police, let's say like so many times where people of color had called the police or people who have actually been victimized in some way, whether it's, you know, like an actual like accident or something like that. Like a lot of times when people call the police and they don't actually get the support that they need. And that's also further validation. It's like, okay, like when white people do it, they get the support. When I do it, I'm not going to get the support. So it just continues. And I find that a lot of times we try to stand. And and I think like this even goes back to like, you know, speaking to even when we're talking about race, like even microaggressions where where people are like, oh, well, they didn't mean it. Oh, well, this like Mm -hmm. those are just again, like it's just layers upon layers upon layers of like shutting down. And I think that the reason why and I'll, I'll say for me, like this is when I was realizing I wasn't taking up space, I realized that it wasn't one instance it wasn't one thing that made me stay small and not take up space it was like a series of small little things that built up and built up and built up and built up and I and I described it um when talking to my therapist as someone dimmed my light right it wasn't Mm. just like a light switch it wasn't on and off it was a dimming of like this instance, this instance, this instance, this, mm-hmm. is, this, 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 this. And before I knew it, I was a shell of a person. Yeah. And it's wild too, right? Because, and I think that in those situations where someone keeps dimming your light, you are hearing these messages. It's kind of like this, like American culture, pick yourself up from the bootstraps. Like really? Cause do we all start at the same 
playing mm-hmm. field in the same playing field no we don't right like it doesn't apply like you're hearing these things that don't apply to you right so like in my case like in school like i remember i would be told oh the sky's the limit i mean how many of us are told the sky's the limit but we're being treated otherwise so mm-hmm. that's not matching up right and the right. the person in you that wants to protect yourself has to like figure out like all right who's fucking lying what's dangerous and then we start perceiving certain situations as dangerous and then we say you know what i'm out i'm not gonna engage in this anymore right and i think the other thing is you start to believe it as a way of like psychological safety if you start to believe that the sky's the limit and then you learn the hard way that there is a limit and it ain't the fucking sky then it's like (laughs) I, like I'm, then you start to internalize. Like there's something inherently wrong with me because I was told yes. this thing, and I can't achieve said thing. So it's not that people have lied to me. It's you know, and and it takes a long time. Like I I remember it wasn't until I got to college that I really understood things related to race, education, the ways that like systemically as a person of color, I was disadvantaged. So a lot of times when I, you know, like I I think like even before I kind of really understood what all of those pieces were, I started to see like, okay, in my circle, in my sphere of people, this is the only level that anyone has ever reached. Therefore, Mm -hmm. I'm going to just aspire to that because my my perception of the world is not even large enough to believe that I can achieve these things. So I think psychologically, in order to protect ourselves, in order to protect our ego, we also limit what we can achieve when we're constantly being told to like not take up space, settle down, like stay pushed yes. over to, to the side. Because it's like, well, how am I going to survive in this world if I don't protect myself in this way? Can I just say that you said that you were still learning about this, but you are coming with the fucking gems this episode. Look at Crystal feeling herself. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Love it. No, I will say, I think like as you're talking about it, I'm like, oh, I do know. <laughs> you see, but it's so interesting that the initial thought of, oh, I've never thought about this. So maybe I just don't know and how those doors kind of close. Right. Yo, it's, it's so fucked up because it sounds so simple. But these are the the things that get twisted within us. And then by the time we hit adulthood, people are going to look at us and create a narrative for us that we're lazy. We don't <laughs> we didn't want more. We weren't motivated. Um, so many different things. And you believe it, too, because this is our culture. When in reality, mm-hmm. there was so much on the back end that caused you to feel like, guess what? I don't deserve certain things. Period. I love that we've been talking about this from a larger like perspective of like society engaging in the world um and i would say for me i think that um a lot of the reasons why i made myself small was because of my trauma so the reason why i don't Mm -hmm. take up space is because of my trauma so the most impressionable time for me um, in my life was when I was, I guess you could say the final stretch of my trauma, like when the last few years, um, which was mostly like psychological abuse, which is what I what I experienced. Um, I remember being called names. I was told that I was told that I couldn't take up space in my actual home. I was literally confined to my bedroom most of the time or at least rooms that were unoccupied. What I learned was in order to avoid conflict, 
right? Because if I if I tried to fight back to take up space, it was going to be an issue, right? I just decided to be quiet. I put my head down. I minded my business. Um, I was like, I'm going to just finish school. I'm going to get a job. I'm going to move out. Um, and I remember so many times, like, my family would be in the living room laughing, watching TV together, and I was not invited into that space, into that dynamic. I was the... I was not welcomed. And um, I thought in my mind at the time, I was like, I'm going to stay small as an act of survival, right? And I thought that that mentality was going to stay in the place where I was the least safe. And I thought I had it under control. I was like, I got this. I have it under control. I'm just going to do this here. What I didn't realize, and I said this in the with the things we wish we were told episode, it trauma seeps into every aspect of your life. It does not stay contained. And what I realized was it, it chipped away at my sense of self and my sense of self-worth. And it wasn't one of those things where it stayed in the house. I started to believe that other people saw me the way that I was seen in the home, even when psychologically, maybe I wasn't 100% aware, but there was something in me that was like, this is just about this space right here. This is about just this one person here. It transferred over into other areas of my life. And I just say that because I want people to be mindful that even when you're kind of like aware to a certain degree about certain things, it could still be subconsciously translating into other areas of your life. Absolutely, man. Yo, you're speaking to me. Ever since my father died, I've slowly been like hardening myself, kind of like hiding away from the world, hiding away from the world. And I and I do this thing like I'm bracing for bad things to happen. Um, so I think when the breakup happened, and that relationship was hard because I, I had already gotten to a point where I asked for what I wanted. And yo, when I tell you I was shut the fuck down. <laughs> I was shut down and I and I wasn't as versed in who I am back then so it was very difficult to kind of let that ground me so what I like essentially did after the breakup was yo it must have been something that I did because I owned it like it was a blame um and it's not until now that I started realizing like holy fuck I shut the fuck down no wonder I don't feel good in anything that I do. No wonder I don't want to go out. No wonder I can't find purpose. Because just like Crystal was saying, I shut down in everything. And the and I just wanted to shut down in that one area of like the memory of the breakup. Mm. That's it. Because I didn't want to deal with it. But what I did was I, I just became completely avoidant. I think I slowly became avoidant. Um, and it's not until now that I, because of the reaction that I started having with the good in my life, that I'm like, why, why do I, why can't I like internalize it? Why can't I retain this information? And I started realizing it's because I shut down completely. And I, and I always say this, you can't pick and choose your feelings because once you're feeling period, everything is going to come at you. And once you stop feeling, you stop feeling everything. You can't pick and choose the good, the bad. Mm. You have to be, you have to understand how you're working to say, guess what? I actively choose to not let this situation get to me and recognizing and accepting that something like th- those, those things that we shut down for pr- prior to now they're there. We're going to have to go through it, but it's not going to get the best of us. And that's a distinction because you can't just completely avoid the feeling. You have to accept it, let it run its course, which is so fucking hard. And then just kind of move forward. No, I absolutely agree. 
and this is where sometimes I feel like going to a therapist or having a third party kind of affirm you in 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 your in yourself helps because something else that I noticed about myself is that um a lot of times being small and the ways that you show up when you're playing small those qualities sometimes get praised and they unknowingly Mm. become internalized values um and i think like in the process of me taking up space i'm kind of like wait but this is a value of mine and then i'm like but this is making me uncomfortable as i'm like trying to take up space and this value like they're in conflict like like i'm like i'm in a fight with myself right now um So like for me, for example, like I'm humble, I'm kind, I like to treat others with respect. I like to hear other people's side of the story. I'm very big on like fairness. And and I want to say all of those things are great. Like I'm not saying they're inherently wrong, but I you have to also recognize where it came from. And for me, it came from a place of being small, because if I didn't take up space, then I could avoid conflict and it would create a sense of safety. So these were the things. So like I'm not going to brag about what what I do. I'm always going to have kind words for people, even if they don't have kind words for me back. Like I'm going to be fair and I'm going to listen to this other person's side of the story even though I don't need to do that like I like I don't need to do that I don't owe you any of those things so I want to um just kind of also make people aware of that because again like it's sometimes the ways that you know we're talking about like taking up space you know speaking up for yourself but sometimes it's it the way that it manifests itself is sometimes very convoluted and a little complex so I'm just sharing like what I've learned yeah so first of all, I had a reaction when you were like, I'm going to say something nice about you, even if you have nothing to say nice about me. I was like, I'm not at that place anymore. I think I'm just going to be angry. Because, <laughs> fuck, I want to take up space, right? Like, I have to stop being so afraid of being angry. Also, I want to speak to what you're talking about because it's very interesting. Because there's nothing wrong. All those qualities are so beautiful, mm-hmm. right? Being thoughtful, being empathetic, um, caring, saying nice things about people when they're not being nice. It's not necessarily about being all in on one end or all in on mm-hmm. the other. Because once you're like all the way skewed to one side or the other side, we have a problem. Right. It's ineffective. You have There has to be a way you can gauge both sides. Be comfortable with the negative feelings. Be comfortable in being in that happy place and being a kind, sweet person. And saying, yeah, I'm fucking sweet. But guess what? Don't fucking cross me. Because I could be a real fucking bitch if I need to be. And that's taking up space as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think like also what made me come to this conclusion was a conversation that we had and I was like, you know, these are my values. And you were like, well, this person is not your friend. Like this person is someone who you have a transactional relationship with by nature of what the relationship is. And and then I was like, but I want to do that with you. I want to do it with this person. She's like, and you were like, I'm your friend. Like I deserve these things. And you were right. Like, yeah, as a friend, as someone who like loves me and cares for me and gives to me, you do deserve these things. And this person who I have a very transactional relationship with, who I know will take advantage of me if I don't speak up for myself. Like they don't deserve like those great qualities about myself. So yeah, it is about balance. It is about knowing when to tap into those values and those good things and when to be like, skirt, like boundary, do not cross. 
Absolutely. It's interesting because I think that relates to how do you start taking up space? We spoke about different factors that have placed us in this position to think that we're not allowed to take up space, but how do you start owning it? Uh, one, if you made it to the end of this podcast, you are aware of the fact that, ooh, guess what? If this, this shit is like triggering you the way Crystal's insight got me earlier, uh, you're <laughs> definitely someone who is not taking up space from themselves. And that's not a bad thing. It's okay. You're just like everybody else. I, Crystal and I don't have it right. But once you start accepting that, you start recognizing like, okay, there's something that I need to work on for myself. I think that for me, the biggest part of taking up space is I, like I needed to learn to take space within myself. I think in the process of becoming small to appease and be safe in my environment, I forgot to matter to me. And I think like as I'm healing, I'm starting to understand what happened to me. Like I learned that like how I grew up, it wasn't my fault. Um, I'm starting to question some faulty cognitions. I'm starting to rewire those thoughts and beliefs about myself. And I'm starting to matter to myself again. And I think as I matter to myself, um, I begin to center myself, right, in my own life. Um, And I think, like, when I center myself in my own life, I begin to, uh, it's easier for me to take up space um, because I'm, I'm deciding that the opinion that matters most, the feelings that matter most, the person that matters most is me. And I think for a very long time, I was not the center of my world. I was centering everyone else and not me. And I think that that's been key for me to learn to take up space again. I love that you said that because I think that before you get to a place of figuring out that you weren't the center of your world, you're going to have to start breaking apart whose voice is in your head. Mm-hmm. Because remember that teacher that my friend had? Remember uh, the lady who was about to call the cops on me who looks like she called the cops on somebody else too? Um, all these little things that you are experiencing, they're telling you this was right, this was wrong. Because that's mm-hmm. how we function. We, we, we categorize things, right, in our minds. Mm-hmm. And then we start internalizing them as our own voice. And yo, it's like, I can tell you from experience and very recent experience, it's a fucking trip because you're being mean to yourself and you have no fucking idea why. And you don't know who you are. So like, you're going to have to start teasing it apart. Obviously going to therapy would be a great way to do it. Um, But if not, I would say start journaling in the morning, start critically and objectively thinking about your thoughts, why these things are coming up. Is this something that I genuinely want for myself? And do I really want to be a mean person to myself or to other people, right? Because it's usually a two-way process. Like Crystal's the one who pointed this out to me. Um, I'm very critical of others to a fault. The only way that I was going to be able to stop doing that when after she pointed it out, and she was right, was if I stopped doing that to my own self. Mm-hmm. So start noticing your your interactions with yourself and also with other people. We always say this practice with other people is, is mm-hmm. probably the best thing you can do. Yeah. And I would say um, sometimes when it's challenge, sometimes I notice that it's harder for me to take up space when I feel um, like overwhelmed, depressed, anxious, or I'm dealing with other big emotions because this is still something that's new to me, it, it kind of like, you know, like when, when I feel crappy or I'm like, all of these other things are taking up emotional energy, it is harder for me to take up space um, because it, it's just going to take more energy to do it, right? Because I, I'm now I'm dealing with two very 
in seemingly big things, at least in my, in my own world. So I would say also just like be, uh, patient and compassionate with yourself. I've been finding something for me that works best is when I have time to think and process. So like for me, sometimes taking up space is like, I need time to think. I need, give me a few days to take this information in and I will get back to you. Um, Because sometimes I feel that pressure of like, I have to take up space and I have to do it now. And there will be those instances. Um, and not, you're not always, there's always going to be situations where you have to act or you have to say, or you have to do something immediately. But if you find that that doesn't work for you, I want to give you all permission to find the ways that works best for you. And that's something that's worked for me. I'm like, mm, give me a few days. I need to sit with this. I need to process this. I will get back to you. Absolutely. And I think that what we're speaking to is a mental and emotional piece more, mm-hmm. uh, more so, but also physically. Right. Mm -hmm. Are you like, how do you act when you walk into a room with other people? Start noticing that. Um, How do you act when you're with your family? How do you act when, let's say you're driving? Are you scared of, you know, I used to be scared of parking in front of other people. I remember that. It's it's so silly. Right. But like, it's a big sign. Kind of like I mentioned the other in the I don't know. I mentioned in the previous episode that I'm very scared of being seen. Mm. And it, it has to do with I don't want people looking at me physically like. I obviously don't feel like I, I obviously didn't feel like I should be taking up space. Like all I wanted to do was hide in bed. So I think that that's, an, that's also a big marker. So this conversation, I will say, I feel like even I <laughs> learned as, as I was going. And I know that, you know, like as we've been talking about taking up space, we've been talking about mentally, physically, emotionally, the ways that we've been made small internally by the people closest to us, by society. Um, And I know that it can feel like a very big, complex uh, concept or thing to wrap your mind around. But I hope that this was helpful, at least in terms of planting seeds for everyone to start recognizing the ways that you don't take up space, even if it's just something that when you are in the in the office with your boss and you're afraid to say something, you notice that you're playing small or your friend said something that offended you and you're scared to say something or that person on the train is like all up in your grill, like, please back off. There's three other seats across the way. Like, you do not need to sit right next to me. Like, whatever it it is. Or if there's some Karen who honestly, like, boo, like, I feel like I want to run up on this lady. But anyways, um, (laughs) there's some Karen that's telling, that's calling the police because they don't want to hear what, they don't want to be called out. Remember this episode. (laughs) Absolutely. And one last thing that I really do want to say, and I, this is the only reason that I spoke up yesterday to begin with. It had nothing to do with my disgust for her stupidity. It had everything to do with the fact that, like as Crystal mentioned, she was this woman was able to speak to these people as though they're small because she knew that no one was there protecting them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that really bothers me. And I remember when I did say something and I became, um, I wasn't aggressive, I wasn't confrontational in any kind of way. I was just standing up for myself because, okay, fine, cool. Like, so again, you're not doing anything wrong. You're just standing up for yourself, right? You're com- being confrontational looks very, very different. Um, but I did, the ladies who worked there were just kind of really nervous. And I looked at them and I said, no, I'm going to keep going because no one has the right to talk to you like that. No one. 
And they just kind of looked at me like, what the fuck? Um, And it's true. No one has the right to take your sense of autonomy away. You have your full right to that. So I just want to end this episode reminding people that you have the right over you. And it doesn't have to be confrontational. It doesn't have to be negative. You just have to own it. Yes. Um, And when shit gets going, remember Sasha's voice in your head. Uh, (laughs) uh, So... Y'all already know. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Never Told Us Pod. And if you want to let us know about what came up for you during this episode, you want to sh- send us a note, you can definitely email us at nevertoldthispod at gmail.com. And don't forget to keep coming back so we can tell you what they never told us. <laughs> <laughs>